audible the most honorable the most audible hold the applause like welcome to anything is portable here on the athletic podcast network i am your host sam jam packard professional sports fan and i'm joined by beat reporter for the athletic you know him as the kid the legend jay king and we are joined by a very special guest of NBC Sports Boston, our friend on the Celtics beat, Chris Forsberg. And we are here to bring you the first anything is potable post NBA is canceled or postponed in the pandemic, in the quarantine era. Um, we're just trying to process it. So first, I want to check in with my friends. Chris, I'll start with you. How are you surviving? <laughs> Kind of this new existence we live in. Yeah, it's uh, it's been weird. It's uh, it. I will say, like selfishly, it's been nice to be home and have dinner with my kids for more than like one night in a row during what would normally be the NBA season. But certainly, I think we're all going a little stir crazy and trying to figure out how to just you know deal with all this. And I, I completely understand why we're doing it, and, and hopefully, it, it gets basketball back sooner and all that. But yeah, it's like. Uh, by like 8.30 this morning, I think my wife had screamed at my youngest, my seven-year-old, about four times. And I said, well, it's, it's going to be a day. I'm going to go play Fortnite. <laughs> well, I'll go talk to Jam and Jay. And maybe that will help. <laughs> maybe that will bring some uh, adult conversation to my life. Jay, how are you doing? I am out here just chilling, man. I've been in my apartment since Wednesday night, just kind of hanging out. I haven't left. I had some groceries delivered to me. Amazon just left them at my doorstep. I have some toilet paper, nice. which is good. Uh, but it's it's just kind of been just just a wild time where you don't know like what the next news to drop will be and how devastating it will seem. And I think that's been like like the hardest part of all this is that. Like every single update seems like, oh my God. And it's not like, getting better anytime. There's like five of those updates every day. So I, I just hope everyone is staying safe out there. If if like just just stay in your home. Don't don't try to do anything. Like it's only gonna be a couple months. When you really think about it, like that seems like a super long time. But it's just a couple months to just kinda lay low and do nothing and kind of recharge and hopefully everything will get get better by then but right now yeah i mean i've been watching like old basketball games on tv like i was watching wanamaker versus kemba walker <laughs> in the 2011 big east championship which was electric like they they are both the same player they are today it, it really was incredible brad wanamaker he, he had the old man game he must have been born with the old man game i restarted my subscription to the wwf network and that's been awesome because I'm just like reliving my childhood and watch Monday Night Raw in an empty arena. Like we're so desperate for sports <laughs> that I, I will take whatever I can get at this point. Someone put that marble race online. I was like, this is actually pretty, pretty, pretty oh, interesting. Wow. <laughs> oh wow! I've been rewatching the the Wire. I finished season one in about a day. I think I might go back and rewatch season one and just uh, start taking notes this time. Um, but you you got to do what you can to survive. I've been helped out because you know I have a, a real job. Not to say that your guys' uh, job is not real, but my my attachment to the Celtics, I wouldn't describe as real. Uh, how are you guys still uh, working? Is like just texting a bunch of sources? Are you video chatting? Like, are you t are you checking in with Ennis every day? <laughs> yeah, like, and unfortunately, it's the one time he's gone super quiet, and uh, you know the one except when he's stealing jokes on Twitter. 
<laughs> not a great look. Hopefully, I'll, uh, hopefully. He really is out there stealing coronavirus jokes. I mean, listen, we're all a little desperate right now, Jay. Like, I'm about to start stealing anything you write. Like, we, we need to get anything we can to get through this, this mess. And, uh, you know, I think that's the hard part, too, is that because players are so quiet right now, and maybe that's probably uh, they've been told to lay low, uh, is I think fans are eager to hear what it's like, what they're going through. And hopefully, as the weeks go by, we'll probably be able to open up that a little bit more and, and kind of peer into what they're going through and how they're uh, dealing with all this, because I think that's fascinating. But yeah, for right now, it just seems like, hey, let's make sure that everyone's in the clear and get through this this time, and then maybe people will start opening up a little bit. But yeah, it's a, a lot of silence. And, and you know, the other thing is, people just don't know what's going to happen. It's like, you can call everybody you want, but we all sort of sit there and shrug and say, mid-June restart the season does that make sense like yeah, you know it's nobody knows yeah it, it's all just speculation and it's it, it only adds to like the not you know almost like a panic because we just don't know we're just so routinized especially in the season it's like oh you wake up you go to shoot around you go to a game you have a practice like and and now all of a sudden everything is just completely different and and how do you generate stories off of that and it's it's, it's a little bit unnerving and maybe we'll settle in a little bit but I know at least for me it certainly hasn't happened yet all right let's talk about you know a cheerier topic for New England sports fans um this is just it, – it's the one thing we have to talk about in sports. This broke today. Both of you are native New Englanders. Tom Brady leaving the New England Patriots after 20 years. Uh, Jay, you said that your soul is shattered or whatever <laughs> of your soul is shattered. Uh, I didn't believe you to have a soul, so that was surprising to me. But, Chris – Oh, I've got a soul. <laughs> I'm a soul Known a soul dude. haver. <laughs> Many people are saying that Jay King has a, a soulful guy, um, but Chris, what was your reaction? <laughs> yeah, like still, still surprised. But I'll say this: so I, I, I know we're going to get into a little bit later about like my my life, my career, all that. But I'll, I'll bring it kind of. I'll, I'll start that ball rolling. When I was when I first Ooh. got, oh yeah, that, when I get hired at the Boston Globe as a co-op while I was still at Northeastern, you know, we got paid and we got paid like pretty well, and so I had. I was a college kid and I had all this money from working six months out of the year. And I was like, wow, what do I do with this? And so the 2001 NFL season, like just on a whim, I think it was a game against the Chargers, one of the first home games, maybe the second home game. So I think Bledsoe got knocked out on the, on the first one against the Jets. So the Brady's first start maybe against uh, San Diego and he led this like rousing comeback and I, so me and my dad bought tickets. And now this wasn't like back in the day when you had whatever ticket reseller sponsors your program to go get uh, tickets. So the game time app. <laughs> Use promo code. Anything is potable. See, that's Yo, how- we're not doing free ads out here, Packard. What are you doing? Man? <laughs> You're just talking. You just talked about helping people out. I'm just trying to help people get tickets that don't exist. <laughs> so uh, I, I would go on eBay and buy them and then go meet someone in like the shadiest location impossible near Northeastern's campus. And then me and my dad would go to the old Gillette Stadium and watch these games. And so after we went to that first one, we were like, oh, we should go to the next one. And actually what we did, we went to that entire first season, the snowball, like everything. And like me and my dad had been, we like made it a point to watch the Pats together, but it really did sort of give us something to do together and like from then on we, we, we you know i remember watching the super bowl at home and then you know every that those next few seasons we'd always be there together and watch that and like so tom brady was part of our lives and uh so part of me is like sad because that's like where my mind goes first uh the callous soulless part of me that is like invested in sports and and does this this thing for a living is like 
was a 42-year-old quarterback. and He's washed up. Yeah, He's like, old. Like, Classic I, Belichick moving on before everyone else does. And so, like, part of me is okay with it. Like, I'm ready for something new as a, as a New England sports fan. And, and if that's – No, you're not. I am. No, you're not. But, like, There's I, no way you are. Maybe, because for 20 years, the Patriots have been contenders. For 20 years, the Patriots have been Super Bowl favorites or one of the Super Bowl favorites. Now they're entering into uncharted territories. Things I mean, get Brady bad is when you don't have a, a system quarterback. I think the system's just going to keep churning along. Yeah, go go screw <laughs> yourself. <laughs> the Patriots are in for trouble when you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, and when you don't have wide receivers, and and when your defense just lost like three key contributors to free agency. This is going to be bad. This is going to be the worst Patriots team in. 20 years. Counter, More than 20 years. Counter-argument. It is. Counter-argument. And nobody's prepared for it because everybody just thought Tom Brady would play forever. Everybody thought <sighs> the Patriots would be on top forever. Who thought and, he would play forever? He's 45 years old. <laughs> three years old. Like, this was coming to an end eventually. But you didn't think just it he now, has one, even though he's 42. Just because he has one terrible year in a Tampa Bay Bucks uniform doesn't mean, like, this is going to happen eventually. That Also, the other thing, if he decides, if he willingly decides to play football for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <laughs> he is a loser. That is a loser move. That is a loser franchise. Like, I understand going to the Chargers, putting on the, some of those nice powder blues. Like, that seems like a, a nice living in L.A. That makes sense. But if you decide to go to Tampa Bay, loser. Everything he's done in the past 20 years I was going to say invalidated, but that seems a, a little irresponsible because he still won six Super Bowls, which is very impressive. Yeah, that would be slightly irresponsible. I think it's good for our business. Well, yeah, and, and that's that's my counter argument. It's like selfishly, as someone who is somewhat invested in the success and uh, sort of popularity of the, the Boston Celtics, uh, I will take the positive spin that this thrusts us a little further into the spotlight. It's time that Jason Tatum is the number one uh, active pro athlete in Boston, and uh, let's ride this. I mean, for me, is like I was a pretty yeah. Mookie Betts and Tom Brady both left. Oh yeah, or got, or got traded away in an awful trade, but they're gone. D- and now hey. you're right. Tatum is rapidly climbing. Don't steal my column. It's too bad. Don't steal my column, Athletic. Oh my god! How many? Oh wow! <laughs> I think that's an idea only you have, Chris. <laughs> See, nailed it. You, that's all yours. I'll, I'll see. I'll see the ground. <laughs> you can actually Brady. take it. We all need all we can get at this time of, of of our history. I think you're right, Chris, because Brady was like the only reason I continued to watch the Patriots. I feel like as I ramped up, being more and more interested in the Celtics, my ability to pay attention to other sports ramped down. I was like, but I'd still tune in because with Brady, there was always a chance. And now it's like, eh, I don't really need football anymore. And so maybe that means more uh, more eyes and could, will come on the Celtics if they've been kind of a, a more successful franchise here. The problem with, I guess, when's Jason Tatum going to step up with a, with the personality to kind of take over the city because... Whoa, you, you didn't see that the, You didn't see that PSA? His game is the personality, man. I did a video of him when he was like 17 years old teaching people how to tie a tie. <laughs> it was electric. <laughs> yeah. He should just become the tie-tying guy. <laughs> <laughs> he, should just, he should just stroll around with t-shirts and a tie all the time. Aren't, like, Jay, aren't you someone interested too to just see what happens now? Like, okay, if Belichick, if if some people believe that Belichick was really the brains behind this all, aren't you interested to see if it if that's true? Well, here's the thing: they worked because they were together, because they had the greatest quarterback of all time and the greatest coach of all time. 
they weren't susceptible to the same ups and downs that every franchise ran into. We'll see. And we'll see. So now they are going to have what Jared Stidham as their quarterback. Woo. Like, good freaking luck. Bring good back the long ball. Luck. Good like freaking, Jared you're, Stidham. You're, the defense a better be as good as it was last year because Jared Stidham is going to be throwing to Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman, a, a disgusted Julian Edelman because he no longer has Tom Brady and a bunch of bums. So I'm already just devastated for Sundays in the fall. Not really devastated. I, I can't say the word <laughs> devastated. I can't say the word devastated anymore. Like real, real things are going on. Uh, so many real important things are going on that it gives you perspective when Tom Brady leaves. But at the same time, Sundays will not be the same. No, because Tom Brady won't be on the Patriots. Good observation, Jay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I mean, I think we've exhausted our uh, Celtics and Tom Brady talk. So let's get to the real, the real meat of the issue here. And the real crux of the matter. Yeah, we're here to talk about Chris Forsberg. I mean, you know him on NBC Sports Boston, but Chris, the big how do, people want to know how you got here. How you're on, you're on television. That's imp- <laughs> I, I posted a picture of uh, me, you, B Rob, Nicole, and Grant Williams playing Settlers of Catan. And multiple people texted me saying, that's Chris Forsberg from television. And they were very impressed that I knew you. And uh, I think about They didn't care about Grant Williams? No, not at all. He's on television less than Chris. <laughs> that is true. And of all the people on Press Row, I feel like you have many uh, people coming up to you asking for pictures and things like that. And so is it surreal for you now? Did you imagine that like you would be – I'm not going to call you a celebrity by any means. No, but no. God, no. Sort of – notoriety and fame when you, I know, like started your college career at Northeastern. Yeah. So like, first off, it, 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 it totally makes my day. Like, it, it's just weird that people care about what we do and, and want us to tell you thank you. And I'm sure Jay, you're, you guys are the same way when people come up and just say, oh, we're listening to the podcast. It's just like, it's the best possible moment because it, it sort of validates what you do and, and, and makes you feel good about it. And sometimes you can do these things and you sit there and say, is anybody watching? Is anyone listening? And, and so that just makes it worthwhile. So to anyone who's ever come up, like 100% continue to do it. Uh, plus it drives my wife nuts because she thinks it's, I, 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 I glow a little bit too much when it happens and when we're out, when we're out in public. So uh, I certainly did not expect it to, uh, to be my thing. I always joke when I was kind of looking for a major before college. You know, I just checked communications on most of the places I applied, like Holy Cross and Quinnipiac and... I didn't even know what communications was. I was just like, eh, people told me this is like where I should sort of go. And uh, but but Northeastern made you sort of um, hone down a little bit. And there was a there was literally journalism. I was like, well, I, I read the newspaper. I can do that. And somehow, I, for whatever reason, I ended up on a, on a broadcast path instead of like a print path. And so I took a lot of TV courses at, during my freshman and sophomore years. And I'm thinking, God, I'm never going to use these, especially after I got the co-op job at the Globe. Um, I, and, and, you know, I look back now and, and some of it was invaluable and on something I can lean back on, but, uh, yeah, like if you had told even, I don't know, even like a few years ago with, while well, working for ESPN, if you had told me I'd be doing this much TV and, and, you know, I, I don't think I would have believed you or, 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 or said I would have felt comfortable doing it cause it always sort of unnerved me. Um, but yeah, but here we are and it's, uh, it's been, it's been quite a trip. Do you remember when I reached out to you by email when I first got into sports writing? Um, no, 
but I, <laughs> but I do, not at all. No, no. I I remember Celtics Town, and it, and again, th- th- this was like this was like back when finding sort of good, thoughtful Celtics coverage was really tough, and there was like Celtics Hub with you know Zach and and B Rob and. Um, and then there was Celtics Town, and I think so. I think I took notice more, especially especially because I was trying to rope a lot of you guys into doing that summer forecast stuff to help me, so that I could actually sit by a pool in August. So uh, I I do remember. I don't remember the first email, but I definitely remember being like, I remember the first time you showed up to a game because I think you like sandwiched yourself next to me, and I was like. All right. Well, look. This this is it's one thing for this kid. That, who is this dude yeah. in sweatpants? Who is this buffoon? <laughs> who is this guy walking and going, "What's up, Effers?" You know, on his first night, first night in, in the garden. I would really hope Jay waited at least a couple games to start saying, "What up, motherfuckers?" <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to the people, that is actually how I say hello when I walk into the media room. Every single game. And it's refreshing, and I think we need we need more of it in in our in our place that takes ourselves too, way too seriously sometimes and uh <laughs> but but no like and, and so I, I hope i i don't what did i tell you do you remember what i what i what, what i wrote you yeah uh so this was when i was in college and i was like i had just decided to get into sports right i was a, a senior in college i just started a blog for a class and i decided to just cold email whoever i could get email address for <laughs> and not many people responded um, <laughs> but but you did and I've always been appreciative of that I think I've told you in the past that I that I was appreciative of that if not this is the first time I should I should have told you prior that, that, that I, I do appreciate it but yeah I just reached out and said hey I'm Jay King uh this is this is my blog this is what I want to do yada 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 if you ever have any advice for me, um, I would I would love to hear it. And I I think you you reached out and just said like just be consistent with your work and and keep grinding and keep looking for new opportunities. And it, it meant a lot, honestly. Like you're you were Chris Forsberg, like ESPN writer, and I was like just this lowly college dumbass. And I I, I really appreciate well, it, man. That like that meant a lot to me when I was when I was in college. Well, what it still was does. what was funny is that I mean I'm sitting there as Chris Forsberg ESPN. And I'm thinking, how the hell did I get myself into this? Like I had to sort of stumble ass backwards. I would I would, I, I mean I'm sure it helped. My my advice to people is always you know just work really hard. That you're going to have times where it doesn't seem like anyone's noticing, and don't let that stop you from working. Because I do think people eventually notice what you're doing and they might not tell you it. They might not be the first to come and, and celebrate your work. But, you know, I think even with, with people who come on the Celtics beat, like it doesn't take us long, right? You know who's good and who's who's yeah. actually trying. And, you know, you want to help and nurture those people because they sort of get it. And so uh, I don't. I'm, I certainly didn't know at that point, but once you first started and everything, like it was clear clear as day, like you were gonna, you were going to be good at this. And so... Um, I just, yeah, that, to me. That, like, I, I just honestly like, and even now when people email, I like, it's hard to get back to everybody and it's always very, you know, I feel bad because a lot of them are formulaic where they're like, uh, dear Mr. So and so, you know, how did you get where you are? I want to do what you do when you grow older. And, but like, if, if people, especially if they're doing it for like a class project, I try, I have a long drive home every night from the studio. And what I've started doing is like, I'll just record myself answering their questions for a project and hope that that can help them. And, um, you know, look, I, I, I had a lot of people when I was first getting involved here, whether it was, you know, when I was making the decision about what to do with my life, whether that was Gasper or Reese, 
Um, you know, Jackie McMullen obviously once I started at ESPN and um, you know, there was a lot of people that sort of looked at me and realized like, oh crap, this kid has never done what he's being asked to do now and uh, he's got to figure this thing out and certainly help me, put me on, on a path to, to at least trying to be successful and like, look, 10 years later, I, I still don't have all the answers, but um, I'm, I'm trying, you know, just trying to. What, what do you think was the most important thing for you coming up? Like that helped you take advantage of the opportunities you received. So, so, yeah, how did how did you get from the Globe to ESPN? <laughs> Basically answer both those questions because it's, it's one thing to be in a co-op and then it's another thing to be like worldwide leader. Right, and so like to be quite honest, some of it's right place, right time. Some of it's just the, the opportunities kind of bubble up. So what happened was, so I graduated from Northeastern in 03. Um, I was luckily, like, I stayed on freelancing for the Globe for a little bit and working for, like, they had these weekly sections, like West Weekly and North Weekly, all these that, like, pretty much writing high school sports articles about the towns that those uh, regions covered. And it was good money. We sort of, uh, to, to be quite honest, I, like, banked all that money and it helped me because, so it helped me, like, not be stressed out that I didn't necessarily have a full-time job or, like, a, a really good-paying full-time job. My first full-time employment was at something that would eventually be called Rise Magazine, and they were based out of like Alston, and uh, we were just covering high school athletics for the entire country. But it was seriously daunting. Like you were writing stuff about California high school sports when you're never going to see high school sports in California. <laughs> so I literally I I, I I I quit that job after four months and went and took a part-time job as a reporter for the Fitchburg Sentinel and Enterprise. Like, I mean, if you had to say, like, going part-time from full-time and I dropped salary, uh, I, I think I was making 18000 a year at that point at Fitchburg. Uh, I, it probably wasn't the right move for anyone smart, but I just knew I needed to write. <laughs> and I, I just wanted to cover sports again, and it did give me a little bit more freedom to still kind of uh, freelance for the globe and do those stories. So... Uh, you know, so those are sort of the challenges you'll you'll that I think people will encounter, and you'll you'll, you'll hit these crossroads, and you got to be you know you got to determine you know is it worth it? Are you willing to take risk? And that's just something that I've had to do a couple times. And then to be quite honest, like I mean, out of nowhere, the Globe decides to start uh, a high school sports venture with Boston.com back in 2006, and I was lucky enough to know some people at that point from my time at the Globe, and their high school sports editor Bob Holmes, one of like the most influential people in my career. Uh, helped me sort of jam my foot in that door, and I covered high schools for you know better part of two years. And but like you know on, on nights and weekends that I didn't have stuff going on, I just started going to pro sports stuff and lugging around a camera. I made poor Jackie McMullen and Bob Ryan and Dan Shaughnessy when they were done writing for the night, and all they wanted to do was go home from Gillette Stadium at 1 a.m. after like a Monday night football game. I'd drag them out onto the, the field and make them talk about their article, and we you know. How do you? I got I got to interrupt you there because how do you approach those people and ask them to do that? I think one of the things that like when I first started going <laughs> to Celtics games is just being like, oh my god, that's Jackie McMullen. <laughs> I'm the most intimidating person, set, right? Man. I just I don't have a set when it comes to this scenario. It uh, I think it helped that again I'd been around these people by the, at that point for the better part of seven years, so they at least knew who I was. They probably were. Why the hell am I, Mr. Sports Writer, being dragged and Mrs. Sports Writer being dragged out onto the field and told to just speak into this little tiny uh, handy cam? And what I don't, they probably had no idea what we were doing with it. Uh, but 
ultimately it did sort of set the globe and and give them a, a you know an idea for topping videos on top stories and and sort of bubbling out that the, the ironic part you were the first guy to pivot to video I mean I, it might have been I like I will say I don't think a lot of places were doing it back then I'm not trying to take any credit I'm not saying we were super progressive I'm trying to give you credit I appreciate that but uh, here is a funny story though uh, in, in 2008 uh, I get roped in, not roped into. I, I volunteered to go cover the, the some of the NBA playoffs because I'd been going. My friends had season tickets to the Celtics, and I'd been going to a bunch of games. I was really like a uh, uh, an absent NBA fan from like maybe two thousand early two thousands through that point. I just didn't pay attention to it too much, and um, but like obviously getting KG and and the, have being good again, it, it re- revoked my restarted my interest. So. Uh, I, I I felt like I had a pretty good pulse of the team. I knew a lot of like you know things going on. I felt like I at least jump in and help with whatever sidebars or recording video or whatever. Well, you know, Gino explodes in popularity, and so one night they did the our sort of multimedia team at the Globe says let's let's just do a video on Gino and how it's sort of captivating everybody. I'm like all right, so uh, like two a.m. after a playoff game, I go up to Bob Ryan. I'm like Bob, look, I just need you for two minutes. And, you know, he's like, he's looking at me like, this kid is bugging the hell out of me again. <laughs> and I walk him out into a, like a dimly lit garden and he goes, all right, what am I talking about? And I said, can you just give me a little something on Gino? And I thought he was just going to walk off the court at that point. And he goes, three, two, one. Gino, huh? And he just launches into this five minute thing about how great Gino is and dancing on the Jumbotron and how no one knows it's Gino Vanelli, uh, uh, whatever his name is. And, and the, the, he just goes off. And then we did like a little bit of a man on the street thing and, and put this video together. And I had no aspirations for what it was, but I thought it, like I was pretty proud of it. Um, the day my first daughter was born, like probably two months later, I got a call from a coworker who said, hey, we won an Emmy Award for that video we shot. And That's awesome. it was 100% Bob Ryan just exploding on this topic, and uh, I will never forget that. And again, that's all part of why when someone looks at me and says, hey, can you help out with this? I don't care if it's like the last thing I want to do. Like I do think there's some value in, in helping out and, and the, the, the next generation or whatever it is, like sounding like I'm old and over, but, um, but man, like I'll never forget that if someone like that can take time out of their day to help me out, then I certainly sh- should. And just to transition, so from there, uh, 2009, ESPN started the city sites with Boston, New York, Chicago, Dallas, LA. And uh, my boss at Boston.com, Dave Leefort, was tasked with being the overseer of ESPN Boston. And they, they sort of started with, with Mike Reese as their centerpiece. And I remember that was right around the time the New York Times had, had started sort of slashing our pay and doing all these cutbacks at, at the Globe. And I was sort of looking around for what's next. Ironically, CSNNE had just started at that point. And so I was talking a little bit with them, never knowing that years later that would circle back a little bit. And, um, you know, obviously was interested in, in, in what, what, what the future of, of the Globe and Boston.com was. But... You know, once Reese joined ESPN Boston, I was just really intrigued by the notion. I sort of reached out to some people there and said, you know, what's your plan for your staff? And, you know, how can I help you? And they literally had no idea. Uh, they said, well, you know, I'm sure we're going to need general assignment guys. We're going to, they're going to, they, they had some really high ambitions about who they wanted for those jobs and like who they wanted on their Celtics beat in particular. And 
ultimately those people made other decisions. And so, again, just like dumb luck, I, I sign on with ESPN and I'm, I'm at what they call rookie camp down in Bristol. And opening night 2009-10, Celtics were going to play in Cleveland against what at that point was Shaq and LeBron. And uh, I just got a call that said, hey, you need to leave rookie camp and fly to Cleveland and cover this game. And so I was like, all right. You know, they didn't have anyone else to do it. And then just no one told me to stop. So once they didn't, <laughs> once, once they didn't hire anybody, uh, I just kept going with it. And I did, I kind of bounced back and forth from the Patriots beat, which I'd had probably the most experience with while I was at the Globe. And, uh, but covering You're this. You're like the dude from Office Space. Yes, exactly. Milton. <laughs> like no one, the, 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 checks, the checks kept coming. And even if they didn't, I probably still would have kept going. But um, yeah, it, again, like. Some of it's right time, right place, but uh, I sort of had to catch myself up on basketball and being smart about it. And I don't know, maybe that helped. Like I didn't have these preconceived notions and I just sort of said, okay, like I know we just started using a lot of pro football focus on our Patriots coverage and people were really skeptical about that. But the NBA was way more into the advanced metrics and stuff like that. So uh, it just lined up where kind of right place, right time. One thing that's cool to me that I've always admired about you is – how hard you work and like I, I can remember in the ESPN days you used to fire off like like six stories a day <laughs> to the point where like if you wanted to follow the Celtics you just had to follow Chris Forsberg and you knew literally every little tiny thing that was going on now like I don't think people realize like they see you on TV every night that means you're go- driving to the studio every night and you're putting in the hours uh, I've seen you like like study yourself how have you gone – and it's obvious watching you how much work you've put in to become a lot better on air. How, what's your process of, like, working on that? Because I'm intrigued by how, how much you've improved, honestly. Yeah. I think it's just reps. I think with anything. You know, that's why probably my first advice to you is just, like, keep writing every day because you'll find your voice. You'll find, like, what makes you different. You'll you'll find what, what can set you apart. And, you know, I think, like, even – when I was at ESPN, you know, sometimes we would sit there and we would joke about it. We'd be like, well, when are we going to be on TV again? Because, like, let's face it, they've got all these huge personalities and it's, it's hard to sort of get on that – get that airtime. Um, and so, like, usually it was only when some breaking news happens and then you're standing in front of a camera just trying to tell people, all right, Kevin Garnett has this crazy injury. What does it mean? What are they saying about it? But, um, you know, those were – it was hard to get good at that because you're only doing it for a minute here, a minute there. Um, it certainly was invaluable and certainly the audience was amazing to be in front of, but it probably wasn't until I, I started doing even NBC Sports Boston as, as a freelancer at the end of my uh, ESPN time where, you know, all of a sudden you've got a seven minute segment and you can sort of settle in and you don't feel as, as probably nervous about the first answer. You say something stupid, you just kind of move on from it and you do, try not to get too hung up on it. I still do at times, but um, I've learned to not, again, not take it too seriously I think it's funny when we've got people on our shows and they're just like screaming at each other at the top of their lungs and getting angry about where Tom Brady's going to play. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I just can't get too worked up about it. Uh, there are certainly times when it's, it is fun. And when we have Felger on it, it's, it's funny how he can just push the right buttons and, and get you worked up. And, and I love those moments, but um, yeah, I think it just really comes down to when, when you're on TV four or five nights a week, you just have to sort of get better at it and, I've, I've still got a long way to go. Uh, they keep saying that there's this thing called landing the plane where uh, as, Ooh, as the plane. where like 
as people who are listening to this podcast will now know, because you'll start, I'll start on a thought and then I'll divert and then I'll divert and then I'll divert. And like, eventually I try to get back to it, but, uh, you know, you're supposed <laughs> to start with a thought and, and, and take it to, take it to the runway. And I don't always get there. So, uh, <laughs> I'll eventually get good at that maybe. And I probably need to, I need to embrace being a little bit more opinionated and being willing to just say something crazy at times. And if nothing, no, you don't. Well, I think there is a balance. You know, I, I kind of want to hear crazy Forsberg. So, as, as someone put it, I, it, one of the first segments I did for, for, for I'll never forget this. We were we were doing for doing Boston Sports tonight. I don't know if it was right when I got hired or right when I first started. I got on, and it must have been like right after a trade or something. And someone said, you know, so what do you think about the Celtics trading Isaiah Thomas? And I was like. Well, it could be good for both sides, I think. And, and, <laughs> Embrace nuance. Yeah, and, and, and Tom Curran looked at me and goes, well, thanks for having an opinion. And, <laughs> and like, I don't think I talked for the rest of that block. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, like, it wasn't like I didn't know what we were going to talk about. And I should have been a little bit probably better prepared. I think that's part of, the, of what I've learned, too, just with anything in our business. You know, if, if you're not prepared going into a day, if I don't go to a shoot around knowing I need to get player X, Y, Z, then the day is going to be a waste because I'm not going to get anything accomplished. And I think I've tried to be better about that. Um, and yet, you know, there's only so much you can you can put yourself in position to be ready in these situations. And so, uh, you know, prepare well, work hard and, and maybe maybe things break your way. But I, I do appreciate your uh, willingness to not take things so seriously. And this is like a real tone shift for our general podcast where it's mostly just me and Jay bickering. And so we're just like <laughs> – compliments onto you chris but like yeah what the hell we're gonna seem nice i'm not supposed to seem nice <laughs> we can get i'm some, supposed to be an asshole you you can punch holes in my game you know you know my weaknesses well let right. me let me give you well, this you last suck. compliment first <laughs> but you you were like willing to come on to my terrible weei podcast and just i think it was during a playoff run um we did like every was, we did every game right every single game and it's like kind of what got me into doing more like daily podcasts and but really like the best part of that podcast was just the it wasn't like game analysis it was like the birth of uh it was the nonsense observations and it's just like uh and so so forsberg the junk drawer is really forsberg's (laughs) child it's he was the one who i guess we created it together with jared but he was the one who's very willingness to like uh listen to my inane observations, laugh along with them, and then make his own. I think out of anyone on the Celtics beat, you literally have a spreadsheet full of nonsense observations. Yes, that is true. So, uh, I, I very much appreciate that because the, there's a level of seriousness uh, with sports journalism or just sports talking, and people just are very, very opinionated to a point that is frustrating to me. So I uh, – and this is the last compliment we're going to give no, you. Perfect, I, perfect. Uh, your willingness to kind of uh, go into the silly shit that is like kind of uh, professional sports because if you uh, create that lane, I don't know what I'd be doing. Well, two things. Okay. Two things. One, I, I remember very vividly sitting in a Bojangles in like Decatur, Georgia, doing that podcast at one point and thinking, what am I doing with my life? Um, <laughs> and two. <laughs> you're, and t- you're forever in a Bojangles. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Like if I'm in the South, I'm at a Bojangles. There's, there's no doubt. And, uh, and, and number two, I think the big takeaway from this podcast is that you both owe both of your careers in, in its entirety to me. <laughs> that, that, is true. That, is, that is the obvious But that means you're also to blame for both of our careers. So yeah. the fact that I call myself a professional sports fan now and get a credential, yeah. that's on you, Forrest. That is on me, man. 
that every side eye I catch from Gary Washburn or others, <laughs> that's on you. Every time you ask about Kaizen, that's right. That's blood's on my hands. Exactly. Well, be- before we let you go, Forsberg, I got to ask you, what is your favorite moment from covering sports? Ooh. And it doesn't have to be like the actual game itself. It could be something like the Bob Ryan yeah. thing. That's probably your favorite, but we, we, we're excluding that from this conversation because you already told that damn story. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think it reverts back to, and like not to be overly sappy, but when I look back on this all in 20 years, I'm probably not going to remember the games that we covered or whatever. I'll remember like the, the little uh, wolf pack of Celtics media marching around Manhattan Beach and getting food and, and, and like all of us desperately trying to plot how the Celtics can get warm weather in the playoffs so that we can, you know, rejuvenate a little bit after a long season. Um, like, look, it, 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 people have this, and I certainly had it when I first got into the business, I was like, oh man, Globe and the Herald must hate each other. Like these guys are just like at each other's throat and there's certainly a competition to it, but I don't think we ever sit there and, and wish ill on, upon anybody else. You certainly want to be first or have the, the come up with the, 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 the right take the first, you know, um, before anybody else. But I mean, ultimately I see you guys more than I see my family in, in non-quarantine situations. So uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I'll remember that a whole lot more. I'm trying to think if we've had like, just an all-timer moment on the road. Like, I mean, it, it always devolves into debauchery and silliness. And um, but no, I, I think more so than any win or anything like that. It's uh, those are fun moments, and I, I, I've learned. I'm shocked you didn't bring up Barrio. So I do love Barrio, and I'll, <laughs> I, I'll throw an, uh, uh, I'll throw a uh, colleague under the bus uh, when the Celtics were there earlier this month. Uh, not like I mean, Barrio's a taco restaurant in Cleveland. <laughs> For, for everyone. Yeah, for everyone who's no, not no. initiated. Forsberg is the biggest Cleveland fan. <laughs> Forsberg is the anti-Joe Kim Noah of Cleveland. <laughs> so this started is that one. I, there are a few things I love on the road more than either good weather or good tacos. And out of like nowhere, there's this random hole-in-the-wall restaurant called Barrio in Cleveland that's right below the residence inn that a lot of us stay at. And they have some of the best tacos and drinks that you can get. And in the entire Cleveland metro area. <laughs> and, no, no, like in the world. And not only that, but they're open super late. And so there's few things that can win the heart of an NBA writer quite like being open till 2 a.m. so that you can stumble out of a out of a playoff game and still be able to get food. And so, yeah, I became like the Cleveland Board of Tourism based on uh, – uh, how much I've promoted them. The the best part. Really is. The, the best part is I'm sitting there uh, after the final like LeBron game there when when we all knew he was kind of he, he was going to leave again and uh, I'm I'm like lamenting to the to the bartender uh, on my my like what my my final meal there and I'm like yeah you know I don't know if I'm going to be coming back to Cleveland anymore it's going to be a harder sell to get up here and 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 watch your team and uh, <laughs> the, this lady behind the counter goes I think we got a restaurant in Boston. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, look at your menu here. It says you have Cleveland, <laughs> you know, like all these other Cleveland area locations, Ohio, that I've never heard of. And she's like, no, like, check the website. I'm pretty sure we have one. And so literally they have one in, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and uh, which isn't oh, wow. which isn't Boston, but it's, you know, close enough. And so uh, m- maybe once uh, we are allowed to, uh, to to get back to some normalcy, we'll uh, we'll all go up there in the offseason and we can we can celebrate one of my favorite taco places on the road but if you if you need if you're hurting for content uh as we go forward if you want to do like forsberg's top road tacos uh i can i can spitball uh 
a top 10 for you. All right. We'll call you back next week then because I don't know. <laughs> Tomorrow. What else we're going to be talking about. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Chris Forsberg from NBC Sports Boston. We really no No you. criticisms? No, no nothing? Like you, you can't, uh, sometimes your puns are kind of shitty. Yeah, they are. They are. Like sometimes that's they get a volume trouble. game. Like you got to get your shots up. Um, <laughs> you got to pick your spots. <laughs> Can I talk about how you dunk on people because you're half deaf? Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yes. We, we, yes. Th- like that—that that is actually my favorite Chris Forsberg thing. <laughs> like, and I—I I probably I don't know if if I should do a better job explaining this to people. Uh, like, I've got childhood friends who don't even know why I talk funny, and and I don't know if it's just people are afraid to ask because it's really not you know like something I shy away from. It's not something I probably volunteer, but um, it—it's it, just I was born three months premature, and I'm deaf in my right ear. And so part of it is hilarious because these guys will be screaming at me at a, at a game and I just won't hear anything. Or, or I'll pretend like I hear them and I'll just smile and nod. And, and, and they'll just say something outlandish like, uh, 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 I don't know. Just, but like, I'll just nod along to something that I shouldn't. And, uh, it, 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 but like, so I, I talk a little funny and then people come at me on Twitter. And I used to just like kind of sit there and get mad about it and be like, oh, you know, it's about the information, people. It's about the information. And then, but I, I've, what I've found is that you don't feed the trolls. You don't let them know it angers you. But if you go back at them and, you know, give them a little grief, they turtle very quickly and, you know, so it, it look, you got to pick your spots. You can't do it with everybody, but sometimes you just have to publicly shame someone <laughs> and, uh, and it is, but, but if you, if, if, if you do, if you want to have fun, go on any like YouTube video that ESPN ever posted. Like I think one of my appearances on the jump is on ESPN and, and the comments are hilarious about like, you know, Oh look, it's Two Face. The guy, the, the, the guy. I mean, like, the, I, like even I have to sit there and laugh because like people just just going crazy with the with that. And and I wore like a uh, a, a Hawaiian shirt on one episode of Post Up, and someone said I look like a SpongeBob character, um, <laughs> which is true with the hair and the glasses and the shirt. It was bad. And anyway, like I, kn- know that as much as I don't take anything basketball related too seriously, I don't take myself too seriously either. And if if people want to have some fun with that, I, I don't get too worked up about it. Just don't be a dick about it. Like, I don't have any control over the way I talk. I did not ask to speak sideways. Like, just let me be. You're, you're like the George Bailey of sports writers, man. I don't know what that means. Did no one get that reference? You guys have never seen It's a Wonderful Life? No. Honest, I'm, I'm ashamed of both you guys. That is the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Well, this was an unexpected end. Jay, Jay, yeah. King, Jay King getting a pop culture reference before us. <laughs> I mean, it's like a 1940-something No, no, no. I, I understand that, but I'm still saying. Like, oh, some, something, that we sh- something that we should have been initiated on, uh, and yet I, I did not place the reference. Yeah. George Bailey, also half deaf. Great man. Great man. I bet he would dunk on people on Twitter, too. It's a- I, I, love, I honestly love, like, that is my favorite Twitter subplot of all is when you just dunk on people who come at you over that <laughs> it, it it's truly fantastic you it it just gives me life every single time and, and for, <laughs> i used to sit, i used to sit on your right side in the in the old yeah in the media old media room. room i couldn't hear anything on that side and i would sometimes i'd be like screaming at you like Where's Berg? Where's Berg? what was I, I think that's the other. That's the other Vitor thing. Vitor Pavarotti's injury is right or his left knee. 
<laughs> I think that's the other thing that endeared me to Jay so quickly is that he's such a loud talker that like <laughs> we we have a lot of soft talkers on this beat. Like I can't hear Mark Murphy or Steve Bullpet for the life of me. Like they've literally had full conversations that I have no idea what they've said. And yet Jay <laughs> Jay, I never miss a beat. Uh, what up, motherfuckers? It's the way to go. It's the way I think to that's. Go. I, we'll use Jay's typical entrance as our exit. Uh, thank you, Chris Forsberg from NBC Sports Boston, for joining us. If you guys enjoyed the pod, uh, we're planning on doing more of these, interviewing more people on the Celtics beat, talking about how they got to where they are because uh, we always got to be churning out that content and, uh, and <laughs> will not stop. Uh, so keep it here. Subscribe, five stars, all that good stuff. Uh, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable. And thank you for listening to this episode. I've just said anything is potable like 17 times in a row, and I don't feel like I should yell at Land the but plane, damn it. You land the plane, Jay. Subscribe to the NS Pan- Cantor podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> subscribe to the NS Cantor podcast, even though it's our competition. And... Watch NBC Sports Boss. No, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're wrapping it up. This has been another episode of Anything is Portable.